Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at prestigesubaru.com. And Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. You'll be at the top of the city as you experience Asheville's history and scenic beauty, historic landmarks, and award-winning rooftop bars. Transportation is provided with tours offered daily, year-round. Find out more at AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And here's some good news. You can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, on the iHeartRadio app, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, even Pandora. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive the latest in travel news and travel tips and lots of inspiring travel stories to keep your travel dreams alive. Because keeping your travel dreams alive is so important right now. We all know these haven't been the most normal times so far this year. And when you do choose to travel again, you can rest assured that airports around the world are working to support efforts in restoring public confidence in air travel. And the Asheville Regional Airport is no exception. They've been working on a series of measures to ensure our health and hygiene safety is at the top of their list and that we know when we fly in and out of this region that they're really helping provide peace of mind when we plan our travel trips again. And here to talk more about that is Tina Kinsey. She's the Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport. And Tina, it's always such a pleasure to have you on the show and keep us up to date on what's happening, not only at the Asheville Regional Airport, but also with aviation overall. Always great to be here, Marilyn. Thanks for having me. Tina, I know that there are just so many things to be thinking about right now as we start to consider getting back out and traveling again. And I was wondering if you maybe could give us some timely travel tips because things haven't changed much, but they've changed so much. Well, that's a great way to put it. Um, Absolutely. You know, really quickly, one question I get a lot of the time is, do I still need to come to the airport early? Uh, You know, I think people have the perception that nobody is traveling, that there are no lines, you know, that kind of thing. And the answer is, yes, you still need to plan that two hour time frame, arrive two hours before your flight, Um, because, you know, again, uh, uh, not much has changed, but a lot has changed. So 
there could be a little more screening that needs to take place. Or you may have some travelers who are unsure about how to navigate what's going on in the airport. Um, and that can delay things a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you just really need to make sure you have the time. But I think one thing we all can be paying attention to when we are about to have a, a travel journey through an airport and then on airplanes is to purposefully think about making that journey as touchless as possible, meaning evaluate ways that you can reduce times when you have to touch hard surfaces, touch surfaces that other people might be touching. Um, you know, and we have a handy tool. Every one of us has this handy tool. It's our smartphone and that can really help with touchless options. So what I mean by that, um, if you have been a holdout and you don't use a mobile boarding pass, now's the time. Go ahead. Every airline offers this opportunity for you to check in online and you can have your boarding pass right there on your phone and you hold your phone over the scanner to check in, uh, go through security, board your plane, that kind of thing. So it does reduce the reason for someone else to touch your boarding pass. So that's a good first tip. Uh, but then again, let's say you're going to go to the restaurant and you're going to buy a cup of coffee. Um, you can also download mobile pay apps so that you can just scan your payment uh, on your phone. You know, over uh, many, many, um, Kiosks, many businesses have that as an option, you know, and then you don't have to pull your credit card out or deal with cash. Um, so those are two, two ideas. I have others. Uh, but what do you think about that, Marilyn? Oh, Tina, I, I feel like not only is that applicable at the airport, but it's applicable pretty much any place. I mean, and you would think that getting in this mindset uh, it's kind of teaching old dogs new tricks. And yeah. it is what it is right now um, to uh, take the time. I've heard this from a lot of people. This is a time that is uh, a good time to learn new things and be on top of it. And what you were just talking about are uh, two things that are really important and might not have been in our psyche before. That's right. And, and, you know, there are some even simpler things that we may not think about, but I challenge you to think about it, like use the automatic doors. If there is a door where you have to pull the handle to open, why don't you walk, walk a little further and find the automatic door so you don't have to touch it. Avoid handrails if you can. Um, you know, there are even uh, fun little devices, uh, little gadgets, doohickey things that you can buy that um, allow you to uh, press an elevator button without using your hand and they hang off of your keychain. You know, I mean, there's just all kinds of ideas out there. So, you know, I do encourage people to think touchless when they are about to have a journey. Well, I agree. I think this is a, a new mindset for everybody. It's in some ways even counterintuitive just to how it was back in February. Yeah. And honestly, Marilyn, the, you know, industry discussions happening now, I would 
I would foresee the future of aviation and the airport industry will be even more sophisticated touchless technology uh, being implemented, you know, as a learning from this pandemic and just continuing to enhance and make the journey as safe as possible. I think we can even think of the journey for all of us, not just getting on a plane, but going, doing anything. This is going to be the signs of uh, a new model, maybe a new right kind of a new way that we're going to step forward that is going to be really at at a higher level of health and hygiene safety absolutely yeah and i know the airport is doing uh as far as hard surfaces you've got this incredible spray and there's everything is so high tech these days but so much it sounds like is really just going to come from common sense Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just everybody doing their part. You know, if we all think about these things and um, navigate the journey in the safest way possible, it just benefits each other. You know, it, it really works, works it out. It makes it an even safer experience for everyone involved, including you know, the employees who are out there every day making sure you can still get on an airplane and go places. Well, a big shout out to them because they've been doing such an incredible job to keep this airport uh, going and moving and and across the globe. And I think that's something else that, that as you're talking about this, Tina, is airports are like a, a small community of people everybody's got kind of the similar mindset in a lot of ways you're all doing something to uh for for a journey absolutely and you know we're open around the clock um it's like a little city in and of itself and you know we're really keeping things going um again this is kind of boiling things up to a a higher view, but airports are part of the nation's critical infrastructure, and we work together. Uh, we're, we are no good if we are just a standalone entity. We are um, just by the very nature of aviation, we are interconnected, and so there are hundreds of thousands of aviation professionals who are working around the clock across our country. Um, keeping that critical infrastructure in place, uh, you know, for people who need it. Well, all of us are going to need it at some point, and being able to know that it's uh, a model for how we can even live our lives is extremely important. Yes, it is, and I appreciate that you um, gave a shout out to team members who work in the industry. You know, if Anybody who's listening is going to an airport soon and going on some a trip. Uh, you know, t- take a minute and thank the the team that you see. If you see a custodian, thank them for being there and on you know in a public place and keeping it clean um, and safe for the journey. Tell your ticket agent thank you for being there. Um, it really does mean a lot. Th- these are hardworking dedicated people. 
Well, Tina, thank you for all the work that you're doing as well. And we're all going to look forward to being able to go over to the airport, have our ticket in our phone, our boarding pass, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Be thinking about this new way of moving with uh, touchless being more thoughtful of that. And I look forward to having you back on and and having more tips because it is all a brand new day. Well, thank you very much. Until next time. All right. Well, coming up next is Jason Holland. He's the International Living's roving Latin America editor. And Jason and his family now live in the UNESCO World Heritage Town of San Miguel de Allende. And, you know, packing up and moving to another country sometimes sounds pretty good right about now, but it sure seems like it would be a great adventure for everyone. But is it right for you and your family? You'll find out. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Kay, the owner of Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. We share our beautiful city in the mountains of Western North Carolina from the rooftops with people from our community around the country and around the world. Our tours are well known for the spectacular scenery, the award-winning rooftop bars, and the captivating city history we share from the rooftops. We take traveling during these COVID-19 recovering times seriously. We've implemented CDC cleaning and sanitation protocols, require staff health screenings before our tours, and provide our tour guests with face coverings if they need one. We are excited to welcome you on an Asheville rooftop bar tour and provide a way for you to safely experience Asheville from a bird's eye view. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Welcome to Summertime in Subieville, where even a sizzling summer can't stifle your spirit of adventure. From the refreshing refuge of the riverbanks to the breezy peaks of the Blue Ridge Mountains, our backyard boasts a wide variety of outdoor adventures to help keep you calm, cool, and collected in the high heat of summer. Adventure is the name of the game, and what better to kick off in than a symmetrical all-wheel drive Subaru Outback to take you through whatever terrain you wish to tackle. Adventure awaits. The Subaru A Lot to Love event, now through August 31st at Prestige Subaru, 599 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Welcome to Subieville. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter. Thank you, Tina, for the update on what's going on at the Asheville Regional Airport and providing us with some timely travel tips. It's refreshing to know that your team and all the folks over there at the airport are working to support the efforts to making us more assured when we start to make our travel plans again. And I know there are a lot of people who are thinking and talking and dreaming about travel every day. With so many people in the world living with some kind of travel restrictions, most people who love to travel are really missing the excitement and the sights and the experiences of being someplace new and different. And there's nothing to compare with that sense of adventure that travel brings. You know, some people were lucky enough back in the good old pre-pandemic days to become a digital nomad and live and work remotely any place they wanted. It would seem like now would be a great time to revisit this, considering so many people are working from home and really could work anywhere in the world. So what would it be like to live the dream and do work abroad? Well, my guest today is Jason Holland. He's International Living's roving Latin America editor. And in 2012, he and his wife and then four-year-old son 
and two dogs made their way to Costa Rica, and now they're enjoying the good life in the UNESCO World Heritage Town of San Miguel de Allende. And Jason, it is really great to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much for for being there in Mexico talking to us today. Well, thank you so so much for having me, Marilyn. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's have some fun. Let's do. So, Jason, give us a little bit of an idea about your um, your backstory. How did you even, uh, you know, did you grow up with a family who traveled? Were you a traveling kind of kid? Um, I guess you could say that. Um, I was born in Torrejon Air Force Base, uh, which is now closed, um, in just outside of Madrid, Spain. Uh, my father was in the Air Force. Uh, my mom is from Spain, um, so I'm uh, dual nationality, I guess you could say. Uh, so I was born there, and as a kid, we lived in Germany, Utah, Florida, and then we we're back in southern Spain, and that's kind of where I spent um, from nine to eighteen until I went to college in Florida. I lived, we lived in Spain. So, uh, and in that time, we traveled all over Europe. You know, my parents were you know big travelers as well. So I kind of grew up with that experience and kind of thirst for uh, international travel. I guess you could say. So when you went to college, did you consider going into some kind of a degree program that uh, included international travel or international studies? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, when I went to college, I've always been a writer, enjoyed writing, was, was you know, good at writing, I guess, you know, worked for the high school newspaper a little bit and things like that. When I got to college, I wanted to be a writer for Rolling Stone. That was my big dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when, when I got there and I started my journalism program, started taking writing classes, I discovered just how hard that might be to actually get a, a staff position at Rolling Stone. So um, I, I started uh, working for local newspapers and things like that. Um, so I've always had kind of like that journalism writing background. And then did you uh, take to traveling while you were in college and during breaks was was that something that you just kept on doing uh well a little bit um you know funds were a little bit low uh so that it wasn't as feasible as it once was but um during college of course went to visit my folks who were at the time still living in spain um and then uh right after college uh my then girlfriend now wife we did uh, a lot of travel as well like places like jamaica uh we went down to costa rica on on a couple of vacations as well which is kind of how we came to know it as a country that we might want to live in. Um, so yeah, we did, did a fair amount of travel. Southeast Asia, we loved as well. Hope to make it back there someday soon. Um, so yeah, we just like, you know, experiencing new cultures, seeing new things. Not so much always the, the sites or the tourist attractions necessarily, but, you know, kind of getting to know neighborhoods and how people live and going to the markets and eating at the street stall places, you know, on the street corners and kind of avoiding the, the restaurants with uh, all these pictures on the menu <laughs> that are overpriced and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, we're into travel. We do it as, as much as we can to this day as well. So. That's really wonderful. You know, back in the day, there were there were just so many people who um, who were able to embrace that lifestyle, who were able to uh, to travel, to, to go uh, live in other cultures and really... Uh, get their feet on the ground in community, helping other people out, really being a part of a much broader community. And you chose at some point to uh, actually make 
uh, a different culture your home? And how did you decide to move to Costa Rica in the first place? Uh, well, it's, I'll make a long story short, I guess. But uh, basically, I, after getting out of newspaper industry, um, which was very timely because, you know, it's, it's a tough industry right now. You know, ad revenues are down. Like um, they're firing journalists left and right, reporters, you know, papers are closing down. Um, you know, so I had transitioned into publishing and web content and marketing. So I kind of, you know, embraced a bigger skill set using my writing skills to learn how to write advertising copy, write content for websites, you know, public relations, different things like that. Um, so I was working for a couple publishing companies over the years. Um, and my last, you know, official full-time traditional job, uh, I did, I got laid off at the end of the 2011. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. And, you know, we were facing crazy healthcare costs, health insurance costs. Um, you know, we didn't know what to do. I mean, I started applying for jobs and things like that. But at the same time, I was like, well, I need to start making some money right now. <laughs> um, so I reached out to people I'd worked with over the years and said, hey, I'm, I'm freelancing now. Uh, do you have any projects? Uh, I was looking on different websites that post freelance jobs. And I was starting to do freelance writing projects, able to sustain myself but not in South Florida where we're living at the time, which has a tremendously high cost of living. Uh, so one night, you know, my wife and I were talking about what to do. Should I try to go for jobs? I've been going on interviews, had a few offers, but the jobs really did not appeal to me. I, I could tell that it was not going to be a good fit. I didn't want to take something and hate it. And, you know, it was just, so we said, well, what if we moved to Costa Rica? Because we've been there a few times. You know, it's pretty cheap down there. The healthcare is really good. We started doing a bunch of research. And within about three months of making that decision, we actually made the move. So uh, that was kind of our motivating factor. And we figured, okay, so we get down there and we don't like it. Well, we'll just come back. And we're basically in the same spot we were at before. <laughs> so we said, and we'd always wanted to live abroad. You know, we had that desire to do so. And so we said, well, maybe this is the opportunity. This is the motivation that we need to actually do it. So, uh, and it worked out. So it's a happy ending to the story. I guess. Absolutely. Well, when you got down there, uh, how did you find work? How did you sustain yourself? Right. So basically I kept working with my freelance clients and um, I was doing all sorts of different writing stuff, writing articles for blogs, uh, ghostwriting books for business people. Um, writing Google ads, you know, when you search in Google and you type something, you know, um, use cars in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and, and a bunch of ads pop up. I was writing stuff like that. I was uh, writing sales letters for healthcare companies and, and things like that. All sorts of, you know, different crazy projects. Um, and importantly, when you're freelancing in this kind of way, uh, you really want to have a stable of steady clients. Uh, you don't want to be chasing projects you know, finish one project and chase after another one because then your income can vary widely. You can't do any financial planning, you know, might have a slow couple of weeks and then you're like, well, I just ran out of money. What's going on? So it's very important. And basically what I did was uh, I was able to uh, create a stable of clients um, and, you know, have that steady income coming every month. You know, they pay you a steady check every month for a certain number of projects or a certain number of hours. So it's kind of like you're working for somebody, but but you basically do it on your own schedule. So I don't wake up and clock in somewhere and nobody's, you know, 
checking up on me. Hey, Jason, what's going on? I have projects that have deadlines and I complete them by the deadline and I can do, do what I want. So, well, it is definitely, uh, uh, I would imagine there's a learning curve, like you said, of just doing, mm-hmm. putting your foot down and saying, I'm, I'm going to do this and making that decision and then doing it. And over time, really understanding this is the way I need to keep it going. So when we come back from the break, Jason, I want to talk more about that and uh, and the beginning of the next phase of your life, which was having a family and being someplace different and how that all worked out. So mm-hmm. uh, when we come back, we'll pick up right here. Sounds good. All right. Jason Holland is with me today. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be right back. If you want to truly experience a city, dart at the top. With Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, you'll capture the true spirit of Asheville, North Carolina on our one-of-a-kind award-winning tours. You'll experience our city's highly acclaimed rooftop bars, see Asheville's scenic beauty and historic landmarks, and feel the history of our city unfold before you, all on this uniquely crafted tour. We take care of every detail, including band show for transportation, sample cocktails and mocktails at each rooftop bar, and there's plenty of snacks and bottled water on the van to enjoy between stops. Come see why Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours is top of the city and top of mind for the best things to do in Asheville, North Carolina. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina. Or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, In Marilyn words, Ball, and I'm here today with Jason Holland. And Jason, you're talking to us today from Mexico, correct? That's right. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about this place where you are, the UNESCO site. Yes, so it's called uh, San Miguel de Allende, and it's in the mountains of central Mexico, uh, Highlands region. It's about four and a half hours by car from Mexico City uh, to the north, uh, north of Mexico City. Um, It's a colonial city founded in the 15th century um, by the Spanish, you know, colonizers here. Uh, So we have these uh, hundreds of year old buildings, you know, everywhere. Uh, because it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, everything has to be preserved. You can't knock down a historic building or church. You can't put up big billboards and neon signs. Um, so it's kind of like walking through history, kind of like walking in a museum in a lot of ways, because you'll see uh, a doorway that you can tell that you know somebody was walking through this doorway. This was their house 300, 400 years ago. And now somebody else is living there and they've, you know, updated the interior. You know, you can do that. You can put in modern plumbing and electricity and high-speed internet. We have all the modern conveniences, but we're just in this very historic setting and it's very beautiful. So we, we enjoyed a lot living there. Well, that sounds lovely. Let's backtrack just a minute and go back to Costa Rica. We were talking about in the uh, first, when we first started talking, 
so you and your wife uh, moved to Costa Rica. You started working remotely, having some clients that you worked with on a pretty regular basis, and you created a, a routine. Um, is, this, is Costa Rica where your family started, where you had your first child? Uh, no, when we got there, uh, we already had our oldest son, who's now 13, and he was about four and a half when we moved to Costa Rica. And my wife was pregnant with our second son, who was, who was born in Costa Rica. So. <laughs> so there was a lot of big change going on down there. Yeah, definitely. It was a big, um, just in general in our lives, it was one of the most stressful, exciting, crazy, scary, uh, but rewarding experiences kind of all, all at the same time. So now here you are at a higher level of responsibility and income. I would imagine that you'd be thinking, well, now I have a family of four to support uh, and the dogs, I would imagine, were still there. Uh, Mm -hmm. What made you start to think maybe it was time to leave Costa Rica and and move someplace else? Right. So, well, um, the main, you know, company I I work for, I'd say, is International Living, um, roving Latin America editor. Back then, I was the Costa Rica editor. So basically, International Living, we have correspondents and editors and writers in all these different countries uh, that are kind of on staff. We're on call to answer any questions that our readers have. And we also travel quite a bit within the country because we're writing about all these different regions and towns. We have to get to know them with our own eyes. We have to put boots on the ground, as we always say. So I was taking trips constantly to different, different places in Costa Rica. So within four and a half years, it felt like we had visited just about every place in the country. It's beautiful. We love the natural beauty, natural beauty there, the wildlife, uh, the beaches are great. The highland towns and the coffee region are wonderful. We love Costa Rica, um, but we just felt like being travelers, being kind of nomadic spirits, we said, well, we kind of have seen a lot of Costa Rica. We, we want to try something new. And that was kind of our motivation to move to Mexico after about four and a half, five years in Costa Rica. Had you been uh, researching Mexico? Had you uh, been looking at how do people leave with a family and and relocate there? Yeah, basically, I had the the, uh, good fortune to be sent to Mexico for work, uh, for international living. So I had actually been going to different spots in Mexico while we were living in Costa Rica. I've also been to a couple of different other spots in Latin America. Um, So we kind of narrowed it down to a couple places in Mexico. And we look, we were looking at the Riviera Maya, which is Mexico's Caribbean coast. Um, people will know Cancun, of course, uh, but there's other towns like Playa del Carmen and Tulum. Uh, I'd been to San Miguel also, um, and some of the other historic colonial cities that are in this, in this region. And also over to Puerto Vallarta, which is on the Pacific coast. So we're kind of weighing our options and we're figuring out where to go. Um, and, we knew because we had moved to Costa Rica uh, with our, our son and, and two dogs, we still have the same two dogs. <laughs> now we have two kids. Um, so we're like, well, you know, how do we get to Mexico now? You know, what are we going to bring with us? Um, you know, how are we going to make that move? And we decided to drive um, from Florida, which is where we're from originally. Uh, so we went from Costa Rica to Florida, kind of took several months to regroup, uh, filled up our, our pickup truck full of uh, our household goods, some special items we wanted to bring. And we took a quite a lengthy road trip to, uh, to Mexico. So that's kind of how we made that move. Uh, and lots of people do it, crossing the land border in, in this 
Texas or California or wherever and driving down into Mexico wherever they happen to live. So so now how long have you been there? It's been since uh, August 2016 we've been in Mexico. So now the kids are starting to grow up and uh, and go to school. What is it like there to be a, a family, uh, especially a, an expat family, yeah. uh, living in a, even though a beautiful UNESCO site? Give us some, just give us some idea of, uh, especially around safety. I think that's something that people always are questioning, like, oh, I don't know about that. What is it like yeah. there for real? Yeah, for sure. So um, it might surprise some people, but there are actually quite a lot of traveling families, expat families, kind of uh, nomadic, you know, families. And this has been the case wherever I've gone in, in my travels, um, you know, throughout Latin America, a ton of people in Europe, Southeast Asia. In Mexico, in San Miguel, it's actually uh, very popular with traveling families. So when we got there, we were immediately had kind of a group of friends our kids had friends. So that part of the transition was pretty easy. Um, and I think you'll find that pretty much in any kind of expat location you go to because everybody's kind of has, a, they're like-minded. You know, we kind of have the same views on things. We have the same interests, travel, <laughs> living in Mexico. <laughs> um, so we get along and it's easy to make friends. Um, and it was easy for the kids to, to make friends as well. So that was great to have that community. Uh, safety wise, you know, definitely, you know, when Mexico is in the headlines, it's usually for something bad, uh, you know, crime related, um, cartel related, something like that. And so when people learn that we were moving to Mexico or when we meet people or whatever, and, and we say, yeah, we live in Mexico, um, some people are shocked and they're, they can't believe that, that we would do something like that, we, that we would put ourselves at risk. Um, and yes, Mexico definitely does have its problems for sure. Um, the drug cartels are, you know, pretty powerful in the country. Um, but I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't bring my kids there if I didn't feel like, like it was safe. Um, and that's kind of also what I always tell people, uh, you know, there are certain areas of the country you just don't go to. Um, and mostly what we're worried about is kind of uh, petty crime, I guess you could say. So if we go to a beach town and, you know, we drive up and we park and then we hit the beach, I'm not going to leave my laptop sitting in the back seat. I'm not going to even, probably even put it in the trunk uh, because somebody will know something's good in there and they might pop the trunk and try to get to it. If we're leaving our house for any significant period of time to go on a trip somewhere, we have a house sitter come in to keep an eye on things. You know, just things like that, common sense precautions. Um, and like I said, we've driven throughout Mexico. Uh, we do all the time. We've driven, you know, throughout the country and uh, really never had any issues. So I think it's, uh, yeah, just something, just common sense stuff. And just a little quick stat for you. Um, there are about a million Americans living full-time or part-time in Mexico, about half a million Canadians, hundreds of thousands of Europeans and other different nationalities. So that's, you know, I think that kind of speaks for itself a little bit that if people felt like they were in danger, a million Americans wouldn't be, be sitting there right now. So that is a good rationale. And, and what you were saying about common sense, of course, that's true anywhere, whether it's right here in your own backyard, in your neighborhood, or any place you travel, being mindful, being thoughtful of what you were saying. Just yeah, exactly. Staying safe. Well, Jason, I want to talk to you more when we come back from the break about. Um, now that you're there, uh, you know, the times are a little bit different. 
Uh, just over the last five months, we've uh, seen changes in travel and hospitality and education uh, starting to shift in a lot of ways. I'd like to get your take on uh, what you think we can look forward to, be mm-hmm. hopeful about as we move into the the next stage. And also, how can somebody find more information about you uh, uh, to read some of your, your blogs and your writing? The website is www.internationalliving.com. Um, basically, that's International Living's main website. You'll find information on countries around the world. Um, I have an author page there that kind of lists um, all my more, most recent articles. I think the most popular one right now is titled How to Move Outside the United States. <laughs> so, well, this is perfect. The yeah. timing couldn't be better. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm here with Jason Holland. We're talking about international travel. Jason is living in Mexico with his family, and we're going to find out more and what we can look forward to moving forward. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. Hey, this is Leanne from Biltmore. Are you looking for some simple ways to spend quality time with your family and friends? Then look no further. Biltmore is now open and you can wander through historic gardens, along winding trails with plenty of room to spread out all in one spectacular setting. Ride your bike, have a picnic, take a tour of America's largest home, Biltmore House, right here in our own backyard in Asheville, North Carolina. George Vanderbilt created Biltmore as a relaxed country retreat away from the pressures of city life. A Biltmore annual pass allows you to visit the estate an unlimited number of times throughout the year. You can make Biltmore a new experience every time you step onto the estate. Where else can you find beautiful gardens, four mountain season, and eight 8,000 acres to explore. Build memories by keeping your family time creative and enjoyable. Visit the Biltmore website at Biltmore.com for all of the information. And come on over. We would love to see you. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Jason Holland. And Jason is talking to us today from Mexico. We've been talking about uh, taking your children, being uh, being a family, and living abroad. And Jason, I can't thank you enough for for coming on early your time and talking to us today uh, about what it's like living in Mexico and and having your family and making some changes in your life. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm passionate about this topic, so always happy to to chat and keep people informed about what it's really like. Well, we're all kind of wondering what it's really like at this point. We've all uh, have been facing something that nobody expected, and it's new and different, and uh, the rules seem to be uh, some days we have these restrictions, some days we have these restrictions, uh, certainly traveling is coming, uh, has been at a, a standstill, but I feel like it's rebounding. What's the climate like there where you are in San Miguel? Are people kind of staying put? Do you see people coming in and out of the country? What's what's it like over there? Yeah, it's, um, well, you know, like everywhere on the world, this, this took Mexico by storm. Um, and, uh, you know, Mexico is actually one of the hardest hit countries in the world right now. So it's, that's tough. It's been a tough kind of journey uh, for the whole country. Um, 
San Miguel is, uh, like I said, this historic, beautiful town. As a result, it's a huge tourist attraction uh, for international tourists from around the world, as well as uh, Mexican tourists from other parts of the country come to San Miguel. Um, because of its beauty, because it's, uh, it's a key player in the history of Mexico's independence movement and revolution and things like that. So in uh, most Saturdays, Sundays, we'd go to the main plaza in town. It'd be packed full of people, um, you know, just people hiring mariachi bands, having dinner outside and, you know, all just good times, fun, free concerts all the time, fireworks, you know, parades, all that stopped back in March, you know, and they canceled everything. The last thing we did was we saw the Buena Vista Social Club from Cuba came and played a free concert in the park. Thousands of people dancing salsa and all this crazy stuff. And then it all just stopped. And basically, we uh, locked ourselves down pretty early. Um, and a lot of the expats did as well. Uh, because I think we were pretty in tune with the news coming out of the States and Europe and hearing about all these you know, different crises going in different countries. So we were proactive. The local government really stepped up, I think, and started encouraging people to stay home. Uh, mandated the use of masks. Uh, they closed down non-essential businesses. They banned public events. They closed down the parks. You know, they set up sanitation stations. They had crews going throughout town, spraying disinfectant on everything. Um, so basically, now you can go outside. You can wear your mask. You know, you're supposed to wear your mask when you go outside. Uh, some tourists actually got arrested for not doing so <laughs> and kind of causing a scene out in public. Uh, a lot of the restaurants are open with less tables. They're supposed to be at a, minute, a certain level of capacity. Uh, they're cleaning everything very thoroughly. They have reduced operating hours. And the local government's pretty good about finding violators of, this, of these different policies and shutting them down. Um, and uh, I see it on Facebook all the time. They, see, <laughs> they, they put a big, a big sticker across the door of the place closed you know, for violating the COVID rules. You know? um, so we're seeing tourism come back a little bit. Um, and I know in places like Cancun, Puerto Vallarta, different resort places, you can fly into these places now. Some of the resorts and hotels are open, you know, with all these different sanitation hygiene rules. Um, so we're kind of seeing it open back up a little bit, and I guess we'll see what the results are. Um, but tourism being a major driver of Mexico's economy, I think they kind of were forced into that you know, decision. So we'll see how it plays out in the short term and the long term, I guess. Well, how is it playing out for your family in particular? Are your kids, uh, as far as education-wise, they were going to school and uh, active, I'm sure, it sounds like, you know, with friends and lots of kids. What is it like for, for them during this time uh, being there? Yeah. Well, um, I think we have some, some factors in our favor um, that made this kind of transition into this kind of lockdown you know, quarantine um, a lot easier uh, than, than a lot of folks I know in the States, for example. Uh, my, my, both of my kids were going to local schools, uh, bilingual schools with about a mix of expat and Mexican kids. And um, those shut down in March, basically. The, all the schools in Mexico shut down in March. Um, so my oldest son's school, he's 13, they switched to an online kind of learning situation. Um, he's a great student. He was able to, to adapt to that really well. Um, and my youngest, his school shut down for, for good. They just couldn't make it work financially when they had to close and didn't have tuition coming in. 
um, things like that. So unfortunately, he's going to be homeschooled now. <laughs> uh, well, not unfortunately. Uh, it's actually working out pretty good. My wife used to homeschool our oldest, so she has the experience. We have the materials. We know how to make it work. And now my oldest son, when school starts back up in September, he's going to be doing, again, the online thing. Um, now, socially, yeah, it was tough, but we have technology. So both of them are able to FaceTime and kind of text and message with their friends. They play online games. Um, so even though they weren't able to hang out in the same place, they were still hanging out with their friends. And the other last thing is we figured out pretty early on in our travels that we need our space. We need to live in a comfortable situation. So we have a great house with a nice view with a lot of room. So we're able to spread out, do our own thing, come together as a family, separate what we need to, which I think is, is important when you're traveling. And with your family 24-7, you know, you're not going to an office you know, every day. You're not sending the kids to school. You're together all the time. So you just have to have that space. So, Wow. Well, you know, it's it's all new for everybody and the way that everybody is adjusting is uh, it is creating more examples for other people that, oh, well, it's happening here. It's working here. We're trying this. This is working. So let's look ahead a little bit. Jason, how do you feel? Uh, how would you uh, talk to to somebody who was thinking, you know, I really... I, even though this is such a, a freaky time, this is a time I need to get out and go uh, live someplace else. What kind of uh, advice would you give somebody who was thinking that way today? Yeah. Well, um, it's cool you brought that up because I was actually speaking with the folks at uh, International Living uh, this this morning. We sent out a survey to our, our readers, uh, our paid subscribers who read our magazine, and also the folks who get our free email, which we call them postcards. A ton of people are interested in moving out of the U.S. Um, it's getting a ton of searches on our website. So many people are looking into this. Um, and you know, while right now, exactly right now, might not, might not be the best time to do this, you can start preparing right now um, because... It's not just a simple matter of booking plane tickets and or whatever and just heading out to whatever country you happen to be interested in. You have to do a lot of research um, on the country, its its culture, the the benefits and conveniences that it offers. You know, you want to look at things like the cost of living in a place, you know, how much rentals are. If you want to buy a property, how much property prices are. If you need to get a residence visa or you can live there uh, kind of as a tourist on a tourist visa. Um, some places are more strict than others on, on those sorts of things. Uh, you want to check into the healthcare options, uh, the school options, if you don't want to homeschool your kids. You know, there's all these different factors that you kind of have to look into, the safety, as we were talking about earlier. Um, so you want to start doing your research. There's a ton of information on internationalliving.com, of course, but a lot of other websites as well. There's expat blogs, there's expat Facebook groups, all places where you can just read and get familiar with certain locations. You can ask questions uh, if you have specific questions. Uh, so right now, as you're kind of dreaming of making a transition like this, now's the time to be doing that research online and kind of getting to know these different locations um, so that uh, at some points, you know, when we can travel again and, and we're able to get out and about, you can take a little scouting trip to this place, if, you know, and then see what it's really like and kind of go from there, you know, make a decision. Do we move? 
We do we not move? And I always tell people, you don't have to treat it as um, you can move and that's it. You know, you, you, can, you can go there for a month, go there for three months, six months, check it out, go to a couple of different locations, you know, take um, a sabbatical from work if you can, work from home if you can, work remotely, and kind of just experience it for yourself before you make this final decision that we're going to move full time to a location. So it doesn't have to be uh, that big a decision. You can make a lot of little decisions that lead you to that, that final big decision. So that's really good, sound, sensible uh, advice, Jason. I appreciate that because it's, it's definitely a dialogue that I've been hearing a lot uh, lately is how to best utilize this time that we actually have. And being able to dream and to explore and even just from your armchair, being able to look at, wow, here's, here's how we could make this work. Let's make a plan. Let's take it step by step. I really appreciate you being able to put it into, into that kind of a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, I, I don't practice what I preach because I did move to Costa Rica within three months of deciding to do so. Um, so it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it does. I always tell people, yeah, like I said, take it slow. So, Well, we've definitely got the time to do that right now. So, well, Jason, thank you so much for being here on, on Speaking of Travel and uh, for doing what you're doing. Uh, uh, your writing, your blog posts are really informative and uh, entertaining and educational all at the same time. Uh, great you so pictures. Much. You bet. So tell us again how we can get up with you. Yeah. So um, you can find uh, all my writing and uh, all my colleagues as well at internationalliving.com. Uh, we also have a pretty active YouTube channel. Uh, just search for International Living. Uh, so I'm, I have videos there of me going to the market, getting tacos, you know, all sorts of fun stuff like that, different locations I've been. Um, my colleagues also all around the world. And uh, we also have some very active Facebook groups. So if if people are on Facebook out there, uh, we have an International Living Facebook page. And then we also have pages for different countries. Like Mexico has a page, Costa Rica, Panama, Belize, France, Italy, (laughs) Spain. Uh, So we cover it all. And it's very active. You can ask questions there as well. Network with people. Um, So yeah, we have lots of ways to get in touch with us. And uh, Yeah, so check it out. We'll definitely check it out. Well, Jason, thank you again for being here. This is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. You know, this is a great week. My head is already in the clouds thinking of where I want to be next and maybe even where I want to live next. So if you're thinking about wanting some change in your life, check out these uh, resources that are out there. They're available and uh, use this time. We've talked about this a bit. Use this time to really dream big and find the resources you'll you'll find them they'll find you it seems that when you start really dreaming and thinking about what you want to be and what you want to do the answers are are right there in front of you so go out and have a great week be sure you take a walk enjoy nature have a a wonderful time just dreaming looking out into the the wide world and saying, this is where I want to be next. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 